Thank you. It's, uh, it's been a joy to be with you. So I'm, I'm grateful for yeah, this opportunity to open God's Word with you. Uh, if you've got a Bible to hand, uh, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 6, for the, certainly for the first part of this, uh, this talk. Um, a friend of mine, this is weird, okay, but a friend of mine a while ago found a, a, a weird spoon in his silverware drawer. Uh, he had no idea where it had come from, but it was, it was about the size of a teaspoon, but it had a hole in the middle and therefore couldn't lift or carry liquid or powder or basically do what you need a spoon to do. And he decided he would keep it in his sugar bowl. He would have a lot of international students who would visit. And he thought, I'm just going to keep it in the sugar bowl and see how different people respond to a spoon that manifestly cannot do the thing required of it. And he said some nationalities would sort of not say anything, but just sort of try and assume the problem is with them. And he said other, other kind of cultures would immediately go, this spoon is ridiculous, it doesn't work, uh, and they'd be a bit more vocal about it. You can, I'll leave it to you to work out which the Americans <laughs> fell into in those categories. But after a while, he discovered um, it's, it's a spoon for, for olives. It's an olive spoon. So if you've got your jar of olives with whatever olives come in, you put your spoon in, you lift up the olive, and as you lift it up, it drains. So there you go. So that's what it is. Now, I mentioned this because... When you know what the thing is for, you can make sense of the way it is. That's true with lots of things. Good link, huh? Thank you. Um, that is true of something as ridiculous as a spoon. It is true of something as complex and wonderful as our bodies. When we know what they are for, we can make sense of the way that they are. And our bodies are for the Lord. We've been thinking about how the Lord is for the body uh, in creating our bodies, making them in a way that is fearful and, and wonderful. Uh, we also thought yesterday about how the Lord is for the broken body because the Lord Jesus himself took on flesh and allowed his body to be broken for us. And I want us to think in this session about how the body is for the Lord. That is what Paul has said to us in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 13. Uh, the body is not meant for sexual immorality but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And I want to think about three ways in which that the body is for the Lord. What it means for our bodies to be lived in a way that honors God. So three things. The first is our, our bodies are bought. We're then going to think about how our bodies are to be stewarded and then how our bodies are to be offered to the Lord. So firstly, our bodies are bought. This is what Paul has to say in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse uh, 19. Paul says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, when you with whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Um, Paul wants us to know as, as Christian believers, our, our bodies don't belong to us anymore. Our bodies are owned by somebody else. Uh, they are not our own. And in any other context in life, that would be horrific news. Uh, we know people can't be trusted to own other people. That's why we hate trafficking. That's why we hate slavery. But Paul is talking about something very different here, words in this context that are actually liberating because we are owned by Jesus. We now belong to Jesus. Our bodies are his. And they're not his in the sense of being some piece of property he's barely even aware that he has. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed as a Christian to enjoy the TV show Schitt's Creek. But the, the part of the premise behind that show is, is this rich family has lost everything and they, they discover, oh, they, they own this weird little village out in the middle of nowhere 
They'd forgotten they owned it. They kind of got it as a prank. But they realized, okay, that's the last thing we own. We, we, we've got no alternative but to move there. And that, that's not the kind of ownership Jesus has of us. No, Paul says we are a temple of the Holy Spirit. We are indwelt by Jesus, by his spirit. We're, we're his in that sense. Which means your body, however you are feeling about it this morning, is holy ground. It is God's address on earth. Um, a, a few months ago, I had the opportunity of going on a, a tour of, of Israel. I've been wanting to do this for some time and had to wait for the pandemic to, to let up enough for us to be able to go. And it was, a, it was a wonderful opportunity. I'd been wanting to do this for some time. I'd never been on a tour of anywhere before. And I quickly realized on this particular tour that you can only go as fast as the weakest bladder. There was about 40 or 50 people on this particular trip. Most of them were of a certain age. And so what it really was, was a, a, a very exhaustive, comprehensive tour of every restroom <laughs> up and down the country of Israel, and occasionally a visit of some biblical site in between restroom stops. But one of the things we got to do was to visit the temple in Jerusalem. And we got to visit the, the Western Wall, which is the, the, the part of the, the temple that dates back to the time of Christ. And you may well know it's, a, it's the part of the temple kind of structure where, where Jewish men go to pray that the temple will be restored to them. As you probably know, most of the temple is now um, under the control of, of Muslims and it, it's the site of a, of a mosque. And so this, this wall is, is often known as the Wailing Wall because there is so much lament and grief being expressed as, as these people cry out for this temple to be given back to them. And I had a chance to visit that wall, and you can go up as a visitor and put your hand on it and, and pray as well. And as I was surrounded by this wall of heartfelt prayer, a thought entered my mind, and it, it felt absurd, it felt offensive, but the more I thought about it, I thought, no, this, this thought is appropriate. I, it just occurred to me as I was stood there physically touching this structure that my body is more of a temple than that building will ever be. It felt naughty and offensive and, and wrong to think that, but that is what this passage is saying. It's not arrogance or presumption on my part. It is all because of Jesus. Jesus has chosen to make his dwelling in us. Jesus has bought us, not just to put us in some kind of portfolio of stuff he has, Jesus has bought us as a gift to himself so that he can dwell within us. So let me just kind of go out on a limb here and say, you, you have no idea how much you matter to Christ, how cherished you are by Christ. The, the gospel message we believe is not that Christ can now merely tolerate you, The gospel is not that Jesus is, is able to kind of keep you at arm's length and, and that's, that's okay. The gospel is not even Jesus saying, I've got nothing against you. You can, you can go about your business now. The gospel is Jesus wanting to come and dwell in us, to be with us, to be present with us. 
for us to be welcomed into his presence. We don't have to experience a, a moment of our existence away from Jesus Christ. That's what it means for our bodies to belong to him. However you feel about your body, Jesus cherishes it. Which leads to the next thing, our, our bodies are to be stewarded. And there's a couple of places in the, in the Bible we can turn to for this. Um, in Ephesians 5, verse 29, in Ephesians 5, Paul has been talking to husbands about how to love their, their wives. And he just sort of makes this, this little aside. He, he says in verse 28, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. He's saying that that marital union is so tight that it's, it, your, your wife is as close to you as your own body is now. But then he adds in verse 29, no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Now, I think Paul is, is speaking a little bit hyperbolically. He's not saying no one in existence has ever hated their own body. Clearly, people do. But Paul is saying something that is typically true. Typically, our instinct is to look after our bodies. Paul is assuming that is the case, that we, we will nourish and cherish our bodies. That is part of what it means to steward our bodies. If our bodies belong to Jesus, we have even more reason to cherish them and to nourish them. And so it's not unchristian to think about how we feed and care for our bodies. Or in, in 1 Timothy 4, verse 8, Paul says these words. He says, physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. And I used to love that verse because I had a couple of friends um, that I was working with um, a number of years ago who, who were kind of fitness fascists. And were constantly kind of, you've got to, kind of, you've got to do CrossFit or whatever that cult is. Um, and so I used to come back to them with 1 Timothy 4, verse 8, and say, well, physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. <laughs> but here's the thing. The fact that godliness has value for all things doesn't change the fact that physical training still has some value. Paul is not saying it has no value. He's just saying it doesn't have as much value as godliness. Physical training is still valuable. It is one of the ways we steward our bodies. So again, we, we mustn't assume in our, our Christian lives that, that the body is kind of spiritually irrelevant to God. Um, some of us will be familiar with the, the, the Scottish preacher from the 19th century, Robert Murray McShane. He came up with that Bible reading plan no one quite follows through with. Uh, he was a wonderful preacher. Um, he pushed himself so hard in his ministry that he did his health in and he died age 29 and as reported to have said as he was dying he said God gave me two things he gave me a message to deliver i.e. the gospel and a horse to ride i.e. my body and he said I've killed the horse and I can't deliver the message it is not unspiritual to think about our health it's not unspiritual to think about exercise. It is unspiritual to idolize those things, to make them the be-all and end-all. But it's part of our honoring Jesus with our bodies that we steward our bodies. We, we nourish them, we cherish them, and we think about our, our training as well.
But the third thing I want us to dwell on and just to spend a, a few moments thinking about is what it means to offer our bodies to Jesus. I mentioned um, in one of the previous messages that, that one of the ways it is so liberating to know that we belong to Jesus is that if our bodies belong to Jesus, then the only person our bodies have to please is Jesus. Which raises the question, what is the body that pleases Jesus? And the answer to that is, it's a body that is offered to Jesus. The body that is pleasing to Jesus isn't necessarily the body you see on the billboard or on the cover of a fitness magazine or the body that will turn heads at the beach. But the body that is consecrated to Jesus is pleasing to Jesus. Uh, so Romans 12 verse 1, some of us will, will be very familiar with this verse. Paul says, I appeal to you therefore by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Paul has spent 11 chapters trying to unpack the mercies of God, and now he's saying the only sane thing to do in response to the mercies of God is to present your bodies to him, to offer yourselves to God as a living sacrifice. That is the only sensible response. When Paul says this is your spiritual worship, it, it can also be translated this is your rational worship. This is, this is sanity. Given who God is, we give him everything. No part of my life is going to be improved by holding it back from Jesus. Now think about the doctrine of, of, of total depravity, often misunderstood as, as meaning we're all as bad as we could possibly be. That's, that's not what total depravity means. It means sin taints every area of life. Total depravity means there's no part of my life where I can say to Jesus, I don't need you here. I need Jesus in every part. And so every part, Paul is saying, can now be given to Jesus. And he puts it in bodily terms. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And in so doing, we're giving God a sacrifice that is, that is holy and acceptable. God will receive our bodies. As we offer God our bodies, he's, he's not sort of sat in heaven going, yeah, this is a bit awkward, I... I I don't really want it, thanks. Now, if we offer our bodies to God in the, in the name of Jesus and, and in response to his mercies, it's acceptable. The body that is pleasing to Jesus is the body that is consecrated to Jesus. So what does that mean? I mean, that's, that sounds gloriously vague. Lord, I, I give you my everything. It's very easy to say that because it's wonderfully non-specific. Uh, there's, a, there's a Peanuts cartoon where I think it's Lucy says to Linus, you can never be a doctor because you don't love mankind enough. And Linus says, I love mankind. It's people I can't stand. <laughs> and it, it's easy to kind of be about the abstract and not about the particulars. So what does it mean to offer God our bodies? Well, couple of chapters earlier, Paul has actually shown us what it means. Uh, we looked at this a bit yesterday, but Paul says in, in Romans 6, verse 13, do not present your members to sin, your members, that is the parts of your body, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. 
Apart from Christ, we do present our members to sin. We're not necessarily doing that consciously, but we are living by sin's agenda. We are offering the parts of our body to sin. Paul has shown us that back in in Romans 3 when he's, he's showing how all of us are like are condemned in God's eyes. He, he puts that in very physical terms. So Paul can say of humanity in Romans 3, their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Paul is using physical bodily terms to describe our sin. That is what we did. And now he is saying... We are those who have been brought from death to life and now we can offer our members to God. Those very parts of the body that we were using to further the agenda of sin, God will now receive and use in his purposes. And so we are to offer the parts of our body to God as our worship. We get to do that now. So let's just think about that and what what that might mean. Um, Offering your your feet and saying to the Lord, where can I go to serve you? That might be a a short-term question. I've got some time this afternoon. What what could I do to serve the Lord this afternoon? Who could I call in on? Who could I visit? It might be a, a bigger Rest of life question, Lord, I've, I don't know what I'm going to do for the next few decades. Where would you have me be? Where might I uniquely have an opportunity to serve? Or we think about our hands. We, we offer the Lord the work we do with our hands. For some of us, that will be sitting at a laptop for, for several hours a day. Some of us, it, it might be doing some, some chores or housework or changing diapers or whatever it might be. But whatever our work is, we can offer that to the Lord. We need to offer God our eyes. We need to ask God to help us to see the world as he does. I was challenged recently, I was reading through Mark chapter 6, kind of minding my own business. And there's a bit where the the crowds are really being high maintenance. And they're, they're stopping the disciples from doing what they want to be doing. They're stopping them from eating. And I know what I'm like in that kind of scenario. And the disciples and Jesus are trying to escape and they, they, they fail to. And we're told that when Jesus saw the great crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And I thought, when I'm, when I'm stuck in traffic, when I'm in a busy place, when there's just the people around all over the place, I don't see the crowds with the, with the eyes of Jesus. I get irritated. But when Jesus sees the lostness of the lost, he has compassion. I so often lack that. So I I pray, Lord, help me to see the world as you see it. Uh, We offer God our ears. There's all these these voices wanting our attention. I'm, I'm wanting to say to the Lord, help me to listen to your voice first and foremost. Social media, emails, peers, professors, cable news, everyone has got something to say to me. 
but I need to hear the Lord's voice above everything else. So I want to offer him my ears. I want to think, how can I make sure I'm, I'm listening to all the other voices in the light of God's voice and not listening to God's voice in the light of all the other voices? I also want to say to God, I want to offer my ears in the sense of, I want to be listening to people well. I want to catch what isn't being said. I want to sense that the need that might lie under the surface. I want to offer God my sexuality. And to say to the Lord, how, how can I use the sexual energy you've given me in a way that honors you and dignifies other people? And I want to offer God my, my tongue, my words, my thumbs. God has given us an incredible capacity to communicate. I don't, I don't just mean whether you are an articulate person, or I mean the fact that words are powerful. We wield power with our words. And that the words we type, the messages we send, the comments we post, whatever it might be, those words can have the power of life and death in someone else. And so we need to offer our speech, our texting, our messaging, whatever it is, we need to offer that to the Lord and say, Lord, help me to realize the weightiness of what I'm doing. So when it comes to something like social media, just bear in mind that the faceless person whose opinion online is irritating you, that you feel like you need to take a swipe at, that person may be at the, the very end of their tether. They may have woken up thinking, I think today is going to be my last day. And your words have the power to confirm that and to add to their self-hatred. Or your words could be actually one ray of hope. Maybe your words might make them think, actually, okay, maybe not today. We get to offer God the parts of our bodies. God accepts them. And we do that, as Paul reminds us in Romans 12, in, in light of God's mercy, because Jesus offered up his body for us. And as we see the beauty of that, as we see the magnitude of that, it, it makes us want to offer our bodies to him. This is not something we have to do. This is something we get to do. And this is why it's such good news to us. You are not the perfect physical specimen. And you don't have to be. Whatever imperfections about your physicality may trouble you, your body right now can be pleasing to God by being given to him. Your body right now can be useful to God as you offer it to him for his service. Um, I mentioned back on on Monday, my, my friend who was heading to the beach last summer and was feeling anxious and self-conscious and was texting for prayer. And I now want to say to him, the next time he, he finds himself in that situation, what I, what I would long for him to know is he doesn't need to think about whether his body is okay enough 
for the people around him. Because the people around him didn't die for him. We don't need to think about whether our body is okay enough for our culture because our culture didn't die for us and never would. Other people didn't give up their bodies to redeem ours. Jesus did. Paul says we were bought at a price, a price we can't fathom. And Jesus wonderfully has no buyer's remorse. He purchased you with his blood and he's glad he did. And the more we lean into that, the more we long for these bodies to be given to his service. Let me pray. Our Father, we, we thank you that we now belong to Jesus. Truly, really, physically belong to Jesus. Our bodies are not even ours now, they are his. Father, that is, is such wonderful news. Jesus is such a kind master to our bodies. Father, we thank you that these very bodies are now indwelt by Jesus. So we pray you'd help us to receive that truth, to believe that truth. Help us to steward our bodies and help us to offer our bodies right now this day as a pleasing sacrifice to our Lord Jesus. For we pray in his name, amen.